Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. And Ish, um, if I seem a step slow today, it's definitely not because I was up till 3 a.m. playing NCAA basketball 09 on 09. My PS3. Yes, that's definitely not the reason. <laughs> but if I was, I have a team in, I have a dynasty. Okay. And my team, which I started this dynasty probably in like legit 2011. Like it's probably Oof, okay. 10, 10 plus years running now with this dynasty. And I'm only in 2018. And it's a team. Um, it's the Vermont Catamounts. That's my okay. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Vermont Catamounts. And so in the past 10 plus years of real time, I'm only in 2018 in, in the game. Okay. That's how you know I've I've been like you've been putting the, work playing yeah. the games and recruiting and all this <laughs> stuff, like years and years. I think the last time I played it was March 2020. So it's been about eight, nine months since then. Well, but well, speaking speaking of college, so do, did you ever play college hoops two K eight? I did not. No. So that I, played, I always played. I, yeah, I but, always played the uh, the EA one. So I had 07, okay. 08, 09. Okay. So I don't know where you could probably. I don't know where you can find a copy, but that's my go to because you know how obviously NCAA doesn't make games anymore for the yeah. time being. That's been my go to every tournament, every basketball season. It's two K eight, and they have. I think EA had it too. Or do they have like the home court advantage? With the yeah, crowd and all that it, stuff. Yeah. So and like, they had tempo and everything. Tempo. Oh my God. It, I so 2K8 to me is still like the only game I could do that with. Like that and the NCAA kind of the yeah. football game kind of, but uh college hoops 2K8 is because you they had like things that you wouldn't normally see in games, like like you couldn't schedule like when you were trying to like make your own schedule at the beginning of the season, uh-huh. you couldn't get like a powerhouse to come to your home court unless you built up your prestige. Basically like you had to go on the road and like recruiting in 2k8 was legitimately like the most difficult thing ever. Like I remember you worked your way up and like, even once you made it to like a Duke or UCLA or whatever, yeah. like you would lose out on like so many fives. Like you, you were not yeah. a guarantee to get like recruits. It, it always made me mad. I always, uh, they, they had international recruiting in there. And so um, you could start like recruiting guys as like freshmen. And so in like high school. And yes. so like, I would like get on this like, british four-star kid when he was like when he was like a sophomore just to try to like cheat the system because like international recruits weren't as weren't hit as hard by the by the powerhouses and so like by the time they're a senior they're like a five-star with like unlimited like insane potential and they're like 90 percent to you already (laughs) oh my god 2k8 everybody who's everybody who's listening to this knows 2k8 and that is my game and if you if you find a copy you got to go try to find it because Uh, 
I, that is my game. That will forever be my game. I will find a copy. It's pro- honestly, I because th- I think I've heard something like that before. It's probably okay. definitely better than NCA09, like in the the EA version of it. But I think I, like, I think I played the the uh, the last EA version. I think it was a Mecca Okafor on the cover. I think it was 04 or oh, Christ three. I was almost 04, I think it was because. Oh, geez, don't tell me that. Um, oh, four, I think. Oh, oh five, I think, because he got drafted by the, the Bobcats, I think, yeah, of that Bobcats. year. Um, yeah, so that, that's what I was doing. And last thing I'll say on this game is the thing, the only thing that frustrates me is, <laughs> is you know, it's a bad, a bad, like, well, the gameplay is bad because when you shoot a three, yeah, if, if it has arc, you know, it's going in. And if it's oh, flat, yeah. it misses you know, the same <laughs> way every single time. <laughs> And so as soon as you release it, you're like, ah, damn, man, how did I miss that? And it like just has no chance. It's flat. So yeah, great game though. Great game. Oh, great game. game. I love Absolutely that game. Love it. I love those so, games. Yeah. Vermont Catamounts, shout them out. Um, I think I've won three titles in 12 or 10 years, whatever it was. Because early on when I was young, you know, I just wanted yeah. to win. And right. then as I got older, I wanted to like challenge myself. And so I haven't won in some time. So we'll see if we can mm-hmm. get back, back on track right now. We're in the ACC though. We moved to the ACC. Oh, okay. Making move, making power moves over here. Big move, big move. Okay. All right. But we have plenty of actual Texas basketball to talk about. Um, yeah. I mean, let's just start with Texas Tech because sure. that's the only way to start. Honestly, before yesterday, I was like, Man, what, what are we going to talk about here? You know, Sam Houston State, you know, TCU, all that stuff. They looked good. And then Texas Tech comes last night and just puts this game on a platter for us. And I watched the first half. So here's me being transparent. I, I watched the first half. And at towards the end of the first half, I was like, man, Texas Tech is in the game, clearly mm-hmm. in the game. But I kept telling myself, this is a scheduled loss. You just don't win. A, you don't sweep Kansas. Right. And B, it didn't look like they had that same punch. And Kansas was coming out kind of desperate. And I was like, all right, Kansas is really talented. It looks like just one of those games where it's going to get away. Mm-hmm. And the second half, it started to get away. And I went to go play basketball for an hour. And so mm-hmm. I missed the basically the second half from when it started till about the three-minute mark. So 17 mm-hmm. minutes I missed of this game. So there's transparency. <laughs> but when I got back, holy crap. I, I just – I saw I saw everything at that point because double overtime, Texas Tech pushes Kansas. I mean, arguably should have won the game, but loses to Kansas 94-91, and Texas Tech, in my opinion, established themselves as just one of the upper echelon teams in the country at this point. Yeah. I think – so, ironically, when you left, the game did kind of play out how you kind of anticipated because – you know, Kansas in the in the middle of the second half, Kansas kind of started, I don't want to say getting on the break a little bit, but definitely moving their offense a little bit better and quicker to where Tech wasn't getting set up in the half court. And I believe the lead got to 12 at one point. Yeah, and they were hitting threes. And again, Kansas was getting really quick shots to where Tech wasn't able to, to get their half court set. And it really, it really bothered them. And then Kansas is, I have to say, Kansas' defense was not good towards the end of the game because as we know, tech is a very methodical offense uh, for better or worse. And they didn't, it was funny listening to the the broadcasters. I forgot who was on the call last night, but it was, it was very funny uh, listening to them. Fran Fischillo and and whoever the other guy was. Right. Right. And I I couldn't remember who was saying it, but it was saying, uh, 
tech, uh, tech should be getting into their offense quicker. And like, they weren't, you know, they weren't moving the ball quicker, but they were getting quicker shots. Like it was like, instead of passing the ball around and waiting to like five seconds on the shot clock, they were like passing the ball around same tempo, but then like, Oh, there's a shot at 15 seconds. Like they just had an opening and they would just take it. And they would either get like, uh, th- this is kind of where we can kind of transition to Bryson Williams, where him and Kevin O'Banner basically got everything they wanted. Um, they were getting easy looks in the paint. They were either getting easy looks and missing them and getting a putback, or uh, they were just taking it right away. And that got him back in the game. Kansas, you know, tech kind of settled their, uh, uh, settled themselves a little bit on defense and Kansas kind of slowed up towards the end of the game. And yeah, they couldn't stop. They couldn't stop O'Banner and Williams. I think O'Banner finished six of eight for 17 and Bryson Williams finished four, 14 of 19 for 33 points, uh, four, four from three. And yeah, that, that was, I mean, it, it was the fact that Kansas kind of, to me, it was the tech offense. That was the most impressive part. It was because, they were down. They needed kind of quick shots. They didn't really kick up the tempo and they still kind of came uh, just methodically came back into the game. Yeah. And uh, Bryson Williams finishes the game with 33 points, like you said. So once I started watching again, um, it was by that point, it was Bryson Williams show. Kevin O'Banner hit a big three in overtime. Mm-hmm. I, was that the second overtime? The two overtimes run together. I'm just going to say overtime. Right. And when he hit that three, I thought it was over. I believe it was the second overtime. Because I, well, I know I know, Bryson Williams hit the bank, hit the bank in, um, bank which in. was just like, oh, that's just, that's just, it's just your night at that point. <laughs> Davion Warren was getting to where he needed to get off the dribble. He, he did, I don't know what he shot exactly from the field. He finished with 15 points. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the spots he was getting to. Uh, and at that point, Kansas looked like they didn't – how do I say this? Because obviously Texas Tech's offense isn't potent, but mm-hmm. Kansas was kind of scrambling in a lot of ways. And the yeah. one thing Texas, that wasn't working for Texas Tech was Taryn Shannon and, or Kevin McCullough, to be fair. Though. I was about to say their backcourt, yeah. It really didn't. Points, yeah. Shannon five points. And that really came back to hurt him because McCullough had, had a look in overtime from three he missed. And then Shannon – uh, his shot at the end of regulation was was baffling. He shot it with about three seconds left from five feet behind the three-point line and, and missed badly. And then uh, in overtime, took a couple bad shots as well. So we're looking at McCullough and Shannon like, damn, we didn't know this was going to be where they fell short. Right. Yeah, I think that was the – golly, that was the most important um, – that was the most important, like, facet of the game that didn't really work out for Tech. Um Jeez, it was kind of like a – it was kind of uncomfortable to watch a little bit just because, like, you know, you see, like, Kevin O'Banner and Bryson Williams going off. And then Ter- I, I get that Terrence Shannon's the guy, but, like, he takes both the shots that, you know, that that they're basically deciding the game. And you mentioned the one at, at the end of regulation, then at the one in overtime where it's like there's, like, three seconds left on the shot on – the, on, the, on the game clock. And he takes – like it's like a, a fadeaway, you know, like – yeah, step back or not even step up, but just like a f- turning fadeaway into the into weird. the crowd or whatever. It was really weird. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's it was kind of an underwhelming um, ending to what was really a really a great game. I mean, Obaji went off for Kansas. He was sensational. That one shot, that three he hit to send it to overtime was was nuts. Um, shout out native Texan KJ Adams. He was a, he's just like a machine on the inside. He had a a tough day defensively going at 
uh, Bryson Williams, but he made a those one putback. He got in overtime. That was like mm-hmm. it looked. It wasn't a dunk, but it was like a it was like a putback over the back of somebody. Um, I think it might have been McCullough or Warren or something where he went up and just like slowly put it in. That dude's built like a tank. Um, and yeah, like it, it was just like a great back and forth game and one that. You know, unfortunately for tech, like, you know, Kansas, just the, the voodoo magic of fog Allen kind of, kind of always swings Kansas's way in these kind of games. Yeah. I, to me, it's, it's not a loss. Like it's not a loss that's going to matter. So I texted, um, I don't remember, uh, one of my friends and I was just like, in, in the second overtime, I was like, this game doesn't even matter for Texas tech anymore. Like to me. And I I don't think like maybe it's the difference between like, let's say a two and a three seed in the tournament, Mm -hmm. but I think they can get it right back if they, you know, beat them in the tournament or if they beat if they make it to the conference championship in in the tournament, like there's, there's other ways to make up for this. This was a much bigger game for Kansas. Like you can't get swept by Texas tech here. And then obviously on your home court, lose this game. Cause then you have to start asking like serious questions. And I think there are serious questions about Kansas. Like, coming away not only from this game but just when you watch Kansas they're not they're not as dominant as they have been in years past and I think Mm -hmm. some of that might be their front court McCormick is is good but he only played 23 minutes I don't think they actually trust him Mm -hmm. and Texas Tech kind of exposed him in that in that regard in the front court and while Ogbaji is good I mean the guards haven't been quite as great or consistent as you want from them so that's where I'm looking at Texas Tech and I'm looking at Kansas. I'm looking at them on very even playing fields at this point. Now, if we look at Terrence Shannon, obviously he's working his way back still. He missed a whole month from from January 14th to January. uh, I'm sorry, December 14th to January 15th. He's played four games now in conference play since then. He's put up two points, four points, 23 points, and five points in those games. And the last two, he's taken over 10 shots, 10 plus shots. Are, do we think he can get back to where he was last year? Do we think he can get back to being a consistent 10, 12 plus? I mean, in his, I mean, in his world, and I think for Texas Tech, it'd be big if he could get back to over 12 points a game yeah. in some, some respect. Do we think he can do that? Uh, I mean, do I think he can do that? Yeah, I mean, I think he can. But, you know, at this point, it is kind of a – I don't know. I don't know if it's like a, if it's a new role thing or what, but it is like kind of a. a it, I don't know. It is. It is. It's alarming. It's alarming. It does feel like because before he got hurt, he would put up, and these are lesser competitions. Well, outside of Tennessee and Providence, 16, 18, 15, 17, 18. Those were his five mm-hmm. games before he went down. Yeah. He leaves. This team beats Kansas. This team beats Baylor. And it feels like they figured something out without him, right? And that's what we saw right. last night. We saw Kevin O'Banner, Bryson Williams. Those two were kind of the key cogs in the offense that they needed and that they needed to go to late in the games, right? If this was the first game against Kansas or the first game against Baylor, there's no question where that ball is going. The ball is going right. to Bryson Williams. Whether he's getting fronted, whether he's getting doubled, mm-hmm. he makes the decisions out of that. Kevin O'Banner gets the shots out of that. Last night, we saw it kind of flip, right? We saw Terrence Shannon come back, and he's like, this isn't the same team that I left. And he maybe wasn't 100% sure how to handle that because that's not an easy situation to do. When you're coming in, you're averaging 16 points a game, you come back, you put up two, two, four, and 23. You know, mm-hmm. maybe after that 23, you're like, all right, I'm back. I'm back. I'm, I, we're going to Kansas. 
uh, I understand Bryson and Kevin and Davion have been playing well, but when it, this team needs a bucket, I'm I'm supposed to be the guy. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's a, that's a tough transition. Did, did Adonis Arms play a, a lot? Let me see. Last night, because I don't remember, he played 11 minutes and four points. So that's that's another guard that let them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's a good point. I, I think that them performing pretty well without him is, you know, it's kind of a a thing with the lowercase t. Like, I don't want to make it like the big capital headline, but it, it it's kind of a thing, right? It's something you have to kind of keep your keep your eye on because his shooting is his shooting is down um, just overall from last year um, as far as like percentages. Um, he's shooting better from two. He's shooting worse from three. He's obviously points per game is obviously down. Um, and yeah, you wonder if it's just, are they, is this team a little bit better if it's feeding the inside because of how talented they are on the inside? And at that point is Terrence Shannon kind of fishing for shots? You know, is he kind of like taking the shots that, you know, he took towards the end of the game where it's like, where Bryson Williams didn't touch the ball, right? Like those last, like those last like four or five possessions, they did not get the ball to Bryson Williams. And part of it was because they were getting such quick, you know, kind of bad looks. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's something to keep an eye on because they haven't looked, you know, they haven't, they've looked still, they've still looked good, right? There's not like they've looked bad with Terrence Shannon in the game. Obviously they were in this, they were in this game. They've still won games. They've, you know, he's, he's, at times, he's definitely been a spark for them, and defensively, he's still a very important piece for them. But I think it is something to keep an eye on as far as as, as far as these sh- shooting numbers are concerned. I will say there's something really, I think, really interesting when it comes to specifically Terrence Shannon's. Um, uh, what was I going to say? At home, he's been shooting really well, and we talked about Bryson Williams, um, uh, his uh, his home and away numbers and Bryson Williams shoots war. Obviously a lot of people shoot worse on the road, but Bryson Williams still shoots fairly well on the road. Um, I believe he's shooting both from the field and 3.45%. Terrence Shannon, you know, last night's going to definitely make this worse because he's one for 10, but he's also one for three. And I believe the other game um, he's played on the road. He hasn't played actually on the road that much, but the other game, I believe they're 0 and three when Terrence Shannon plays on the road. On the road. Interest. It was just an interesting stat. Um, he hasn't played, I think against Providence, you mentioned he played really well, but um, I just, he hasn't played many, many games on the road. And so I wonder if that's something, maybe getting into a rhythm in a hostile environment might be a little something. Yeah, they Cause played, I'm, look, I'm, they I'm looking at his game log. Yeah. I'm looking at his game logs right now. And it's like, they're like neutral or like they're all home and he's only played three uh, true road games, I think. Yeah. Tennessee was at Madison square garden. That's not a hostile environment. Uh, but still, you know, not home, but I get what you're saying. Um, the backcourt for Texas Tech, this is kind of my last point. The backcourt for Texas Tech is fascinating because, like I said, when Shannon and McCuller were out, and I do think Shannon and McCuller are their best two guards by mm-hmm. by a good margin, mm-hmm. like talent-wise, but Clarence Nadolny and um, Adonis Arms were kind of the star- – or they were the starters, and they were kind of the go-to guys – they played, I think, eight and seven minutes last night. And I feel like there's a way to get them into the game a bit more than that. I feel like there should be good balance from that backcourt in playing five guys, like between Arms, Nadolny, McCullers, Shannon, and Wilson. Oh, and Warren, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
uh, between those six, I think all of them should be in double digits. And I don't think any of them should be obviously overtime skews it, but Kevin McCullough played 44 minutes, man. Like yeah. 44 minutes went one of 11 from the field. I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that was defensively, you know, he is, he is very good defensively. And yeah, so no, I think, he, he I, I, I wonder if it's just, you know, using that to maybe, maybe I'm wondering if maybe what he thought what Adam Stahl was, if he can get something defensively going, he can get, you know, something going in transition, you know, get an easy bucket that way. Um, because, yeah, that's a lot of minutes to be playing a guy who was, you know, still, I don't want to say still nursing. He's obviously fine. He's obviously fine if he's playing that much, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he just couldn't score. And so, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a, a question I had. Still, I, I don't have anything else in this game, but still, Texas Tech, and I know we we try, just picked them apart a little bit, but I feel great about Texas Tech moving forward. I feel. Oh, I do too. Amazing. I mean, like this is they got a they got Mississippi State coming up in there in that SEC challenge or whatever they got going on, and then they got then they got Texas man, and that's gonna be a game that that okay. I am gonna be I'm, I'm gonna be glued to my TV for oh, that yeah. game. Chris Beard's return to Lubbock, like oh yeah. Whew. And honestly, so here's the thing for Tech. You know, one last thing on Tech before we can kind of get to the Big 12 as a whole, or I guess we can transition to the Big 12 as a whole. Tech's kind of threw a big chunk of their hard schedule. Like, Wait, wait, one second, one second. Go I, ahead, go ahead. I have – I was thinking about this last night too. I was like, okay, Kansas, Baylor – Kansas twice done, Baylor done. But when we look at the Big 12 – like, I mean, it's 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 hard, right? Don't get me wrong. Like it, it's the big uh, those the graphic that ESPN put up during the Oklahoma State Texas game. Uh, it's of the toughest remaining schedules in Division One this season. One through four is Texas, Oklahoma, TCU, West Virginia, yeah. right? And then Kentucky's five: Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. So what I'm saying is, relatively, <laughs> Texas Tech does have one of the easier remaining schedules in the Big Twelve. Conversely, Texas has the hardest remaining schedule in the country. Yeah. Remaining. I yeah. I, I think the Big 12 is good. Um, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, is there a tier that we're not considering here? Like Baylor, Kansas, Texas, Tech as the top tier, and then a pretty steep drop between them and everybody else. Um, who's fourth? Who's the fourth best team? Right now, it's, it's Texas, right? Or is yeah. it? I'd say, I mean, I'd say it's Texas. I'd say it's Texas, right? I'd say it's Texas. I look at those three pretty significantly better than Texas to this point. And it's easy to bag on Texas. Yes, I know. I've I've done it before. And sure, they they just barely beat Te- Oklahoma State 56 51. Well, I mean, te- I was like, Texas plays TCU this. Um, when are we recording? Let's see, we're recording a little bit of Saturday. Uh, Today, tonight, uh, we're recording on Tuesday, twenty fifth. So there you go. Texas plays TCU, so like that's kind of going to be the battle for the fourth spot. I think yeah. TCU's been really good as well. We'll talk about them in a second. But like those three, and then I feel like it's a, it's not a wash, but like what separates Texas, West Virginia, uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You know, the rest of the Big Twelve is not that much, and so I, I think it's a good conference, and I think that all those teams deserve you know, the, the praise that they're getting, it's not like these teams are, it's not like you're facing, like, I don't even, 
how do I put this? All these teams are like from 20 to 40 in the country, basically in my head. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? So they're going to be hard. They're going to be really hard to win. Yeah. But I look at Texas tech at, at this point as the top 10 team in the country. And I look at all the those games where I'm like, if Texas tech plays how it can play. And last night it showed me that it will play hard, no matter what environment, no matter what the situation is, Texas tech is going to win a lot of those games. Now. Yeah. They'll lose to Kansas state every now and then, or Iowa state every now and then, because they're not, superiorly talented like a Baylor but I'm looking at Texas Tech and I don't see a lot of losses the rest of the way because of what you said the schedule not being as difficult as it is for like Texas because I mean you know Baylor they get one game out of Baylor one game from Baylor's done both games from Kansas are done so basically the hardest as far as Ken Palm's concerned I'm pretty sure uh, Texas is their hardest team they got to play twice Right, they got Baylor once, and per, again, this is according to Ken Palm, um, Texas twice. That and that's it outside of the top twenty. Now, of course, as we mentioned, West Virginia, Oklahoma, TCU, uh, Oklahoma State; those are still really good teams. Um, but yeah, the the heaviest part of their schedule is done, and I think that's something to be considered. Um, and especially because you're going to be now be getting, you know, we we've talked about. I don't want to talk about Texas too much, but we talked about how at length about them we're gonna this is gut check time for that texas team now so like now tech is good i think those two te- those two games against texas they're gonna get the probably the best that team has because they that they're gonna be in the midst of their toughest stretch of the season and they're basically gonna realize they can't outside of like you know maybe splitting trying to split with baylor trying to split with you know trying to pull those kind of games they can't have any letdowns texas can't Right. Because at that point, they're starting to like chip away at tournament hopes. So um, it's kind of a do or die situation for them. And so I think tech, those two games for tech are going to be even more crucial because I think they're going to get probably the best of that Texas team. Yep. All right. Let's let's go to TCU Mm -hmm. because that I watched um, a majority of this game against Iowa State from a couple of nights ago. They beat Iowa State 59 to 44. And it caught my eye because. I didn't think they were capable of doing this, if I'm being honest with you. And I don't think Iowa State's a great team. I really don't know why they're ranked still, to be honest with you. It's because they started mm-hmm. season 11-0, and and people hate being wrong. And so they're like, oh, well, they're not that bad. No, Iowa State is is probably bottom two in the Big 12 at this point. They're two and five in the Big 12. Yeah. And I, them and Kansas State – and I would have put TCU in that bottom tier as well. But TCU obviously is like, no, we're going to beat them on the road by 15. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that sticks out to me about TCU, because we haven't talked about TCU much on this podcast, but they're three and two now in the conference. And their depth is very impressive. Like, yes, they're, they're seven deep. And then Jacoby Coles is their eighth. And I really like him as an eighth man. Like, they're not spectacular in any way, shape, or form. They shot four mm-hmm. or five teams from four of 15 from three. Five of eight from the free throw line. Um, they did out rebound Iowa State by eleven, but like zero blocks. Like they don't do anything that makes you be like, "Wow, this team is fun to watch." Or this team is, uh, you know, and a great Big Twelve team. But man, they're seven eight deep, and they play defense, and they are a really balanced scoring attack. And Damian Ball put up twenty three points, had six steals in the first like fifteen minutes of the game. And set the tone and uh, put ends up putting up 23 points, seven steals, seven rebounds, and five assists. 
in, in a win over Iowa State. And he was kind of the lead man there. And it's a team that we thought Mike Miles could be the lead man. Emmanuel Miller could be the lead man. Uh, Chuck O'Bannon. Um, and Damian Balls looked really good as well. So then you bring Michael Peavy off the bench and Cork on, off the bench. It's a TCU team that is looking like, I mean, I'll put them right there with like Oklahoma with um, some of like the the five to or the six to seven, probably the six or six to eight range in the Big 12 pretty mm-hmm. comfortably at this point, which I'm impressed with. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, I mentioned uh, Damian Bao from one of the one of the beautiful gifts from um, uh, Penny Hardaway at Memphis, <laughs> one of their starters last year. He's been great for them, man. He's been really good. And like, I think that one of the things that I'm really most impressed with with this TCU team is their offensive rebounding. They're like real, like Eddie Lampkin is like a machine when it comes to the offensive boards. And they have a lot of, like you mentioned, they're just like a really, I think this is a really well-constructed roster because their backcourt can score. They can defend their front court. They have length. Like their front court has a bunch of size as well. Eddie Lampkin's not the, the longest guy. He's kind of a, you know, kind of a definitely a stockier big, but like him, him and him and Emmanuel Miller together, like just works. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, this is like a really fascinatingly constructed team. Cause yeah, they're like, they're, I believe they're second. Let me see. They're 15th, sorry. They're 15th in defensive efficiency and they're second in offensive boards. Like, again, they're, they're not a great shooting team by any means. They turn the ball over a little bit too much for my liking, but they're really sound defensively and they're able to kind of clean up the offensive glass with guys like Lampkin, with guys like Emmanuel Miller. I even think Emmanuel Miller has been a little underwhelming considering what he did at AM last year. Um, but they haven't needed him to be, you know, exactly that type of player either. Yeah. And so we talked, when we talked about Texas last podcast, I was like, you better beat Oklahoma State and you better beat TCU. TCU, I mean, at this point, Kimpom has them tied for fifth in terms yeah. of like where they finish record wise. And yeah. that is at eight and 10 Kim Palm has them at. And that's kind of just cam- cannibalism in the big 12, but still, if you, this, this team finishes tied for fifth, I don't, I can go look at what we had them going before the season. Eight and 10. We probably had them what winning six, seven games in conference fight, I guess. Yeah. Like just, just cause it was, it was an interesting like cast of talent that we thought was, would have been better, but it's it's interesting to see, like, you know, I didn't really expect Bow to be this good. I, did, I thought PV would be playing a bigger part. I thought Miller would definitely be playing a bigger scoring part, at least. Um, and it kind of hasn't mattered, you know? And so, um, I don't know. It, it's been real. This has been really entertaining to watch. Um, we put, I think we put them and SMU kind of in the same category as far as, like, coaches kind of needing to prove something this year with, like, new rosters. And, you know, they're both in different ways proving it. Um. We had them both going 7-11 before the season. So exceeding expectations if they go 8-10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. TCU Texas prediction is for tonight. And it's – where's the game at? Where's the game at? Is it at – uh, The game is at – it's in Fort Worth. It's in T- at TCU. At TCU is home. What? Mm. Let's, let's see it. Prediction. I don't even know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to ask. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Texas. Um. And I'm going to go, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Texas 63 TCU 58. Oh man. They're lighting it up then. Yeah. Big time <laughs> yeah. night. That's a, that's a Chris Beard nightmare. <laughs> He's like, Oh, 60 Chris points. Out. 
Uh, did you know TCU on Ken Palm, you could filter conference only? TCU has the number one defense in the Big 12 in, just in conference play. Interesting. That's that's nuts. That's impressive. Best defense a rebounding percentage um, in the conference as well. Oh, man. Ken Palm has this as a one-point game. Yep. To Texas winning. Do we uh, do, do I trust? Oh man, I don't trust anybody in this game. I, I'll 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 take TCU. Give me the frogs. Oh, okay. Uh 58 to 55. 58. Oh man, Jesus. All right. Hey, hey, the last you're making me, you're making me not want to watch both these projected scores. You're making me not want to watch this game. <laughs> the last Texas game was 56-51, man. What what can we say? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, yeah. 50. What I say? 58-53. There you go. Yeah. That's TC, my pick. Ugh. Can't wait. Oh, man. This is going to be. Uh... <laughs> All right. We have to talk about which um, this is our last kind of big topic of the day, I guess. Yeah. Sam Houston State ish. I tweeted you and I said, we have to bow down to our whack overlords. <laughs> Because yes. this is no longer a joke. This is no longer a fluke. Uh, we need – so I've, I need to go back and have some revisions to my buy and sell list at this point. Okay. Sam Houston State is obviously the first one I'm going to buy. I don't care how late I'm buying them. They're bought. They're bought. They're bought. Yeah. Sam Houston State is bought. They have just completed a stretch of games, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, where they have taken down – Abilene Christian, Lamar. So yeah, Lamar sucks. Whatever. Stephen F. Austin, New Mexico, and Grand Canyon. Yeah. That's a, that's their five game win streak. Yeah. And if you would have asked me before the season what I would have said, they would have gone in that five game streak. I would have said one and four with Lamar being the only win. I would have said right. there's no way they're being Abilene Christian, Stephen F. Austin, New Mexico, or Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon, according to Kim Palm, is the best team in the conference, right? Like, mm-hmm. isn't Grand Canyon like 106 or something? Here, let me. Uh, they're 111 now. They're one, yeah, because because Sam Houston came in and destroyed them, ish. That this team is literally, <laughs> and Kim Palm still only has them going 12 and six, but I think they're, they're seven and one now. Yeah, and they they're legit. They've done yeah. it. They've done it. I, I don't know how, but they've done it. They are seven and one in, in conference. And we said, you know, well, this it's going to be a, a little more difficult this year with all these teams. And Sam Houston State somehow behind Savion Flag, Marcus, like Lampley, Marcus Lampley, Tristan Ikpe, Dante Powers. They've done it. They yeah. have figured it out and they are defending at a high level. They're third in defense and conference play, and they're third in offense and conference play, and they're shooting the ball 37% from three. This team is here, and I want Ken Palm to take note of it. Ken Pomeroy, <laughs> this is to you. You need to figure out your system because obviously you haven't adjusted for the team in Huntsville because this team is still <laughs> – they're still shooting 60% from the free throw line, which is I was like, they are abysmal from the free throw significantly line. Better, significantly better from their non-conference free throw shooting. <laughs> yes. Like, who gives a damn about free throws? And you can shoot the ball at 37% from three, man. This team is incredible. I believe they are actually the worst three point uh, free throw shooting team in the country right now. 
Are they? They were <laughs> at one point. I don't know. If I think. I think they. Three fifty. Yeah. They are still the worst free throws in the But regardless, that I, I'm terrified that's going to come back to bite them in like so many games. But um, regardless, Savion Flag. I mean, he's that dude, right? Twenty, almost twenty points a game. Uh, Demarcus Lampley. We thought that when not all left, it would be Demarcus Lampley kind of taking over. And he's he's not taken over, but he's definitely kind of maintained what he was doing with next to Nuttall in terms of being that secondary guy. Um, yeah. I mean, if you, what else can you say? This team's, this team's blowing my mind. I mean, we thought that, yeah, we, we talked about the the depth of the, of the whack and uh, I don't know, Sam Houston might be left behind or non-conference was a little bit disappointing and actually not even a little bit disappointing or really disappointing. Yeah. They were all um, cool. They were really I bad. Ha- we, we sold them. We sold them on this podcast yeah, because exactly. they lost the UTSA. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and yeah, they've turned it around. I don't know. This is this is this is a lot of fun to watch. And it's I'm really curious to see how they close out the schedule because, like, you know, it's easy to, you know, kind of come out and pull these upsets. Now it's like, okay, we'll take care of business against Cal Baptist and teams that you quote unquote should beat. Um and again, I'm still still worried about that free throw shooting percentage because one of these days you're going to get in some, you know, teams are going to be like, let's just let's just send them to the line. Like, let's just see what we can do. So right, why haven't they started um, hacking them yet is my question. <laughs> I know, right? Just like send the walk on out there just to hack Savion Flag. Savion Flag shooting 45% from the free throw line. <laughs> Dante Power shooting. Oh, well, he hasn't taken that. I back. appreciate Savion Flag taking something from AM with him to Sam Houston because <laughs> that free throw shooting fits right in line with this AM team, Texas AM team. <laughs> Yet he's shooting 39% from three on the season. Yeah. I don't ask me. 39% from three, 45% from the free throw line. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the rest of the schedule, the whack is very difficult, as we've mentioned. You know, Cal Baptist on the road. Um, Cal Baptist is probably one of the, the middle of the pack teams. And then you got Seattle on the road, which is very, very difficult. Uh, Dixie State, Utah Valley. Utah Valley is very good. So it doesn't get significantly easier. Like I'm just looking at right now, they still have one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, six teams um, in the top 200 in Ken Palm left on their schedule. So that's, it's not flattering, but they did. It's crazy. In Ken Palm, they jumped up from 218 to 178 mm-hmm. after beating Grand Canyon. And I think that's great, but I think they should be even higher at this point because uh they've proved it enough to me so i'm gonna buy will i look back and on this and regret it maybe (laughs) but they have we have a new buy here um texas tech i've also bought just to be clear texas tech is is another buy because i know we put that graphic out earlier in the year where we're like all right all right uh, buying uh uh, baylor a&m corpus christi and which by the way just lost to houston baptist which yeah yeah, yeah and, so. and somebody else uh, we bought. But now yeah. my new three is Texas Tech, Sam Houston, and North Texas. Those okay. are the three for me that I have just completely bought in on. And we're still here on Baylor, obviously. Baylor's still yeah. good. And AM Corpus Christi, sure. We can still there, them. just had a stumble. But yeah, we'll keep, we're holding on to them. But yeah, that, that's the new group for me. And Sam Houston State is in that new group. Okay. Uh, do you have a swag update? Uh, yeah, swack is, 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 uh, not making much sense, man. Um, so at the beginning of the year, I did the swack preview for the magazine, you know, um, and basically everything I was doing towards the beginning of the year was pointing every, every, all the research I was doing was pointing to a three-way tie for a three-year race, Texas Southern, Prairie View, Jackson State. 
Um, neither of those schools are in the top three of the SWAC right now. <laughs> uh, currently, it is Southern, Alcorn State, and Florida A&M. Um, Texas Southern, Prairie View is in fourth. Texas Southern is actually in sixth right now. And Jackson State's third, for, third to, from the bottom. Like, it is kind of wild. We So, Texas Southern's lost to Southern, Alcorn State, and Jackson State. Right. And granted, uh, Alcorn State was a very close loss. So I still I'm still very much in on Southern um, Prairie View lost to Jackson State and Jackson State has lost has basically lost it, to everybody else lost to Southern Alcorn State. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm looking at trying to look. I'm looking at the wrong one. Uh, but, 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 but here we go. They've only beaten <laughs> Prairie View and Texas Southern. <laughs> and so. Yeah, I, I, one thing about my preview was right, and that's the fact that those three teams are going to be hard to play against each other. Yep. <laughs> but <laughs> but everything else does not make sense, and I still think you know it's still it's still very early in the SWAC as we're seeing right now. The SWAC is very competitive. Um, I think Jackson State's a little bit too behind to make a to make a run, but basically everybody else in the conference, um, Southern's five and one, Alcorn State's five and two. I mean, it's five and one, five and two, five and two, four and two, four and two, five and three, right? That's like the top six. So still very early, still very much um, kind of a toss up, but definitely not the start I anticipated. <laughs> uh, Jackson State was known for their defense and their defense has not been that good at all uh, so far this year. So uh, just I'm still on our preseason predictions because I opened it for uh, TCU. We both yeah. had Texas Southern at 13 and five. And you had Prairie View at 15 and three. I had them at 16 and two. Yeah. So they got to they go unbeaten now to, 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 to let that happen. So get on a roll, PV. <laughs> um, some quick other notes. Uh, we can just start rolling uh, through these. Uh, Rice lost to Charlotte, which you said was going to happen. And I didn't want to believe it because I was, I was so ready for Rice to, you know, mm. get on a run here, keep mm. the streak going. And they couldn't do it. They lost to Charlotte. So there you go. get them out of here. Yep. Uh, hit them with the shovel. Women like said. Oh, I think I think both men and women lost to Charlotte for Rice. Well, well, we'll get to the women in a minute. We'll get, yeah. We have plenty to, to yeah. talk about that. Uh, Houston uh, is I, I sent you a text. Houston just might never die. Houston men's basketball won 79 to 36 against East Carolina. And this is an East Carolina team that up to this point had pushed a lot of teams and then had beaten some teams uh, in the AAC. Like they, they're not a bad team by, mm-hmm. by any stretch. Like they just lost to UCF by seven. They lost to Cincinnati by eight. They beat Memphis, they lost to Temple by three. Like this is a fine team. And Houston just wiped their hands and said, Nope, we'll just put you away real quick. They were up like 30 at halftime and they beat them by 43. So Houston's a machine. We'll talk about them again. Big stretch coming up soon. UCF on Saturday, which is a is a good game in itself. But uh, but then we get to Cincinnati and SMU on the sixth and the ninth of February, which we'll talk about Houston more at that point. Yep. Uh, and then AM has lost two straight, lost to Kentucky in a really competitive game. I was impressed with them there. Then they lost to Arkansas in a game they could have won very easily. Uh, and they have LSU up next, so we'll talk about them. They play LSU on Wednesday, so we'll talk about them kind of after that game a little bit more because obviously I will be watching that that game. So that's a cheat code for me to watch AM basketball. But uh, n- nothing from those three. Any 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 notes from those three 
results. Rice, Houston, A&M, before we move to the women. Um, no, I, I think it's really hard to evaluate Houston because they could very much go like uh, unbeaten in conference, it feels like, <laughs> and still have a certain ceiling. But at that point, we're just – I don't know how else you grade them other than what they are, which is still a team that's able to win and find, find ways to win. So, yeah, I don't know. All right. So women's basketball, and I, I told you before the podcast, the, the women's side of things is just kind of struggling this year. It's not looking as great as it did last year. For, yeah, for the usually, usually these results are a little bit like the because you're, you're about to read off some like, you know, uh, winning records, losing records. Usually these are reversed, right? Usually we're talking about like women's basketball being kind of up here in the state and then men's basketball kind of being kind of on, on, on the struggle train a little bit. Now it's this year might just be a weird year, but it seems like it's switching this year. It's definitely a weird year. And it's, it's not just weird. I mean, the talent is there on, on a lot of these teams. And we, I still sure. kind of believe in some of these teams we're going to talk about uh, just briefly, but uh, yeah, we, we can start with the big picture and then go to the big 12 after that. Yeah. Um, some of the teams that have continued to lose, I think I told you uh, of the 24 teams, nine have winning records, five are at 500 and 10 have losing records. And for comparison's sakes, the men is 17 winning records, two at 500 and five losing records. So like we said, it's a, it's a pretty big dif- difference here. Uh, some teams, I believe this is most of the losing team teams with losing record. And that, that's in conference to be specific. That's in conference play. Mm-hmm. Houston two and five, North Texas, one and four, Sam Houston, one and six, Texas state three and four, Texas tech two and five, A&M one and six, TCU two and four, Rice zero oh and five, UTSA one and six. So that's, the the big group of of uh, losing records. Who do we still believe in from that group? Read them off again. Houston, North Texas, Sam Houston, Texas State, Texas Tech, A and M, TCU, Rice, UTSA. Mm. For me, it's for me, it's North Texas. I still I'm going to hold out hope that I think they can get something going. It's too talented of a team. I've yeah. seen far less talented North Texas teams do well in conference USA. And I'm just like, there's, they got to figure something out at this at some point. Like I, I trust North Texas more than most of these teams because compared to conference USA, they are more talented than most teams in conference USA. So that that's where I'll go with, with my opinion. Um, I think I'm out. I mean, there's no route back for AM. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, no. um, A&M's done. I don't think Texas state is, done but i mean they lost both their games to uta um one of them i mentioned on the podcast before in a very 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 catastrophically bad fashion um and then uta went back and beat them at home that saturday um so i don't think they're done but i probably on the outs with them um i it's tcu's weird it seems like it's to me it's between north texas texas state and texas tech and I don't. I'm gonna go. Oh God, because Texas Tech just had another bad loss too. They have a lot of bad losses. Their their two yeah. wins again are against. They're great. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They're great, but they haven't. Be, they've lost to everybody else. So I don't think Tech is very good. Um, hey, Texas State. You don't. You don't want to take take a flyer on Texas State bouncing. So I mean, this team is very. This seems very weird because Denisha Hood's kind of riding like almost an un. Justin Carter wrote about this. You can talk about, uh, you can go read it on TexasBasketball.com. She's kind of like on this like unprecedented, almost unsustainable, like five game streak of like 
basically it's like her and like Aaliyah Boston are like the only players that are like putting up this type of numbers right now in the country. And it's like, okay, yeah, I know they're, she's not that good. So like, she's not going to be able to keep that pace up. Um, but yeah, I don't, it, it's the, the, offensively, this team's great. Like this team has been really good offensively, legitimately um, defensively. They're just not getting stops. And they're turning the ball over a little bit too much on offense too, um, which is a little weird, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm, so they don't have, they don't have, they don't have Troy anymore, which is just good. They're, um, they only had Troy once this season, I'm pretty sure. And I think, I don't know. I, I don't want to go North Texas too. Cause I mean, you, cause you pick North Texas. So I'm, I'm trying to think of something. Take them off the board. Different, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't like TCU very much either. If you had to pick TCU or Tech, which one would you lean? TCU or Tech? Yeah, TCU or Tech. I don't know what. Um, Oh, that's a great question. I think I would lean. I mean, based off the results, I'd probably lean TCU, right? Because, like, I don't know if there's a right answer. (laughs) That's true. Um, Because, like, I mean, I saw that game against, they played Kansas, Kansas last week. Yep was not good. Like it was basically Vivian Gray trying to do whatever. And then Kansas getting whatever shot they wanted. Um, it was not very fun to watch. Um, I'd probably, I probably lean TCU, even though they're, again, I don't think they're either of them is that great. Um, that, that went over A&M doesn't look as good anymore. Does it? <laughs> no. Oh God. No. Oh my God. Actually, geez, that's a good point. I might go back to tech off that. Cause I, I forgot that's like one of TCU's most impressive wins. Like, over that A&M like when we think of TCU, we're like of their potential. We're like, yeah, you know, they beat A&M. And, then and now it's like, Oh, <laughs> actually, you know what? Yeah. No, give me tech. Cause like their, their potential is actually like, they actually have those, those solid wins on their schedule. Um, as far as even though they're the only two wins on the schedule for the for a conference, um, they, they just I'll probably game. I'll probably go I'll probably go Tech, Texas State, and TCU because I'll say Texas State schedule maybe leans them more credence because um, I think they have ULM coming up, Louisiana they barely lost to they have Louisiana coming up as well I think there's something to be intrigued about there TCU yeah that. That one impressive win over uh, AM is getting very, very stale. Okay. So I got North Texas. You have Texas State, Texas Tech, and TCU. All right. Well, I have to... take a three, three teams. Oh, my God. All right. That's not hey, what I said. I got to I... give me Tech. <laughs> Real quick, uh, since we did talk about the the, the not so good teams, we yeah. talked about the good teams as well. UTEP yeah. is four and three, SMU is three and no, oh, even though they've had over half their games postponed to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Baylor is three and two. Texas is four and two. Texas back in the top 10. Uh, we'll talk about Texas and Baylor a little more thoroughly as well. Uh, a Corpus Christi is three and oh, UTA is five and two and SFA is five and no. Oh. Um, I don't have an overarching question for this group. Uh, we are going to talk about Baylor and Texas. I haven't got to see SFA in conference play yet. UTA mm-hmm. obviously back-to-back wins over Texas State's impressive. I still like them. Um, as a team, I like them early in the season. I like them now. So yep. Baylor beat Iowa State 87 to 61. Is Baylor back? I want to ask you the same question about Texas as well, but let's start with Baylor. Is Baylor back? I mean, they, they basically like 
I don't know when, when we told when we when we've talked about like Nikki Collins system and like what they want to do, um, which I should say, Ashley Jones did play in this game um, because she did not against, uh, I believe, Texas when they got yeah. smacked by Texas um, and Baylor still blew them out. So like this was more or less full strength Iowa State. Um, this is the upside of the system, right? You saw Baylor hitting from three. I believe they went. 12, what was it? I'm trying to find it? 12 of 21 from three, right? They, Jordan Lewis was great. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to find her numbers. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, 24 points, yeah, 24 points, nine of 11 from the field, six of seven from three. Sarah Andrews, four of five from three. And if you look at those shots, they're not like, they're not like spot up, wide open. You know, they collapsed on Melissa Smith and she kicked it out. They're like off the screen, kind of fading a little bit, like kind of in rhythm threes. Um, So these were like kind of set up off screens, off the dribble kind of deals. Um, Very impressive, like insanely impressive game. And this is, it's kind of the game that you kind of envisioned this Baylor team putting on more, um, where they're just kind of knocking down threes and Melissa Smith's getting her things on the inside. Queen Agbo had a great defensive game. Like she finished with, that's yeah, 21, 14 and 21. Like that's that is nuts. Three blocks. Three steals. That that's yeah. the difference to me. Is we've talked about Queen Egbo and they're trying to figure out the front court. It's like, all right, Caitlin Bickle has for for some reason, better or worse. And we've we've watched Baylor games this year, and I still can't figure out exactly why. I mean, Queen Egbo can get in foul trouble at times. Sure. But other than that, there's been no logical reason for Kaylin Bickle to be playing more than her, significantly more than her at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but Queen Egbo plays 30 minutes, 14 points, 21 rebounds, three blocks, three steals, three assists, um, on and went six to seven from the free throw line. That's that's where you dominate. That's Baylor. Like that's what it is. Queen Egbo and Melissa Smith can do that to teams on the inside. Mm-hmm. So. Nine offensive rebounds says everything you need to know about what Queen Egbo did um, against Iowa State. So, yeah, um, the three-point shooting is great, and I think that is kind of the difference. That's kind of what they they do and what they need to do is they need to make threes. Maybe not this crazy clip, but still they need to make threes. Um, but Queen Egbo and Alyssa Smith, to me, is still what this team is built around. Whether they yes. Whether they want to play like that or not, that's what they're built around. Right. No, hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. I think that, I, th- I don't know. I, th- I think that in this game, I think I, s- you saw kind of the value of, of having, um, uh, Kaylin Bickle a little bit because, you know, she is kind of, she is a stretch four, and, you know, that at, at times she's a stretch four. I think she's probably better when she's not going out to the, the, the perimeter as much. Um, but when Queen Agbo did need a rest, the defense was able to use her size to kind of, keep things interesting um, or make things interesting for Iowa state on the inside. So I think that, you know, she played 19 minutes, she still played a lot, but it was more like of a, uh, in terms of, I think she played with either. um, I think in this game, I think overall, and I think this is kind of where Caitlin Bickle is kind of at her best, the offense, the perimeter got the game going and that's kind of where they got their primary source of scoring. And as opposed to like feeding Melissa Smith. And so therefore when Melissa Smith goes out, they're trying to feed Caitlin Bickle, you know, it's, it's not an inside game. It was an outside game first. And then they kind of let the inside kind of dominate in ways that we know they can, as far as like the glass, as far as like contesting shots, getting putbacks, getting layups when they need them. 
Um, because at that point it comes to like, it just becomes a size advantage, right? As opposed to like setting up Nolissa Smith, setting up Queen Agbo, setting up Kalen Bickle on the post or whatever. It's like, okay, we're going to make them come out and try the inside. And then once they're focused on, you know, these screens, these, these movements, all this stuff, then we can free some stuff up on the inside for them. Um, I don't know. I thought this was, I thought this was kind of one of their best balanced games. I might be, might've been their best balanced game overall in terms of a, in terms of just execution. Yeah. Uh, looking at Texas, they've now won three straight since that loss against Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of them by double digits, 16 against West Virginia, 18 against Iowa State, and 21 against TCU. Uh, they got Kansas State up next, which is a big game. That's a, a tough game. I think Kansas State finished, was 20 – where were they ranked? I don't remember. I looked at the rankings the other day. Uh, in the 20s, I believe, uh, Kansas State was – so that's a tough game at home. We'll see. Uh, just overarching thoughts on Texas. I, I, I'm looking at Rory Harmon, and the, the, the points continue to decrease. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, as the season has gone on, it feels like teams have started to be more physical, you know, started to slow her down, maybe started to make it a point of emphasis to make Joanne Allen-Taylor, Audrey Warren, Aliyah Matharu beat them instead of Rory Harmon. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say she hasn't been good, but in six games – she has 21 assists, 14 turnovers, 20 steals, uh, only averaging, I think it was eight, yeah, 8.7 points per game. So she's been fine. I think she's still the engine of this team, but you know, they're gonna they're gonna need others to step up because it looks like teams are starting to try to take her away. So yeah, I think so. I think that I think it's just the natural dips of a freshman. You know, her star her season started so insanely high. Yeah. Um and then once there's more tape on her, and I think she's, and again, the other thing is she's not used to playing. I don't think she's used to playing this level of high intensity games, you know, like coming in from high school, right? Usually it's Cy Creek, you know, she's probably resting in the entire fourth quarter, basically. So um, I think it's part of, part of just the season wear. Um, and I think that'll, that's just something she'll just kind of naturally have to get, have to adjust to. Um, and this team's good enough to, you know, with Aliyah Mathara, with Joanne Allen Taylor to where like, she doesn't have to, or she shouldn't have to need to score 20 and I'd still be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, like big stretch coming up, Kansas state, Oklahoma, Baylor and Baylor are yeah. is the next four games. And one of those Baylor is a makeup. That's why they're playing them back to back. So big stretch here. Big stretch. And yep. then Texas tech after that. And we, like we said, Texas tech beats everybody uh, good. So <laughs> right. you know, now watch out for that one, Texas. <laughs> I might, might have to make some calls up to Vic Schaefer and be like, Hey, don't, don't sleep on Texas tech now. Right. All right. Hmm. All right, but uh, that's all. That's all we got. Did we miss anything ish? I don't think we did. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think we got uh, Tarleton beat Seattle. Uh, we mentioned Charlotte beat Bryce. Oh, was one of these are women's results. Uh, Tarleton beat Seattle. We mentioned uh, both men and women. Rice lost to Charlotte. Um, Memphis beat Houston. That's a team I mentioned. I had at the front Houston being two and five. That's kind of what started my look at like what's going wrong in women's basketball because i thought houston was going to be at least solid right right they yeah. can't keep up so nope they were i mean they were they were a bubble team last year they should have been in the tournament yeah and they're yeah they're falling off so so well still plenty of optimism plenty of stuff we'll be looking at throughout the week like we said texas tcu tonight on tuesday night and then um a&m lsu on wednesday i wonder if that'll be on espn probably be on espn too a lot of LSU's games have been so, and AM, if AM wins that one, 
that's a, that's a great that's a good result even though mm-hmm. LSU might be down two of its best players regardless <laughs> we'll see if AM oh I'm barely making it through the podcast um I think that no sleep is catching up with me there you so, go all right uh well we thank you for joining us you can follow us on Twitter at DCT basketball follow us on Twitter at Ishmael R Johnson follow me at Matthew Bruni underscore if you're listening on Apple or Spotify leave us a five-star rating and review uh send it to a friend we greatly appreciate it and things are starting to heat up in conference plays, so uh, stay tuned for uh, two podcasts, two podcasts a week moving forward. So we thank y'all for joining us, and we'll talk to y'all later.